What's going on, everybody? This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, and this is the Chondrocast, the podcast about green tree pythons and the people that keep them. Enjoy the show. Episode 19 of the Cast. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, and tonight I'm joined by David Brahms of Specialty Enclosure Designs, and our guest is Michael Hawley of Hollyhood Condros. How's it going? What up, what up? How we doing? Doing well. Doing well. David? What's happening, guys? What have you been up to, dude? Um... A lot of cleaning cages today, and uh, hoping to get a few of my females to stop feeding here before too long. So, uh, it looks like everything's kind of moving in the right direction. So that's good. Yeah, I've seen you posting some uh, some some locks. Yep. Pretty excited to see. Yeah, the uh, the recent few or the last feedings, they were. You know how when they get kind of reluctant when they're starting to get to that point where. They, uh, they're not sure if they really want to eat or not, and they, I yeah. always think that's that's a good sign. So I started to get that. So I think probably in the next few weeks, I would expect things to taper off. So right now. it's looking good. Awesome. That's Dark Horse pairing. I got my eye on there, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I, got I my think we all do. On that one. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's just – Dark Horse is just one of those snakes, dude. That's Anything you do with it. Of. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope she pulls through. And how how big is she? She's not five like five thousand oh, grams, right? Oh, she's not. No, all my all my animals are small. She's probably I don't know if I were to guess between eight hundred to nine hundred grams, somewhere in that range. I know. Yeah. And I don't my... I don't think I have a single animal in my collection that's over a thousand grams. Oh wow. The uh, I think that biggest girl I have, she's if she's not a thousand, she's got to be very close to it. She may even be more. I've I've, I've never weighed any of mine unless the uh, the neos count. And yeah, my adults have right, never right. weighed them. I just don't see any need to. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think as long as they're over that four year old mark or so, you know, give them the more time the better. Then I don't really worry about it too much. But <clears throat> anyways. Getting into tonight's episode, like I said, Michael Holly, uh, can you give us just some, you know, the general intro stuff that we uh, we always have? You know, what do you, who you are, what your brand is, uh, how you got into to green trees, all that good stuff. Uh, my start happened in California. I was living out there for a couple of years, and uh, I was living in an apartment, and I couldn't have dogs or cats or anything like that, so. Uh, Growing up, I had iguanas and stuff like that, the easy stuff, and I wanted something a little different, a little funky, a little vibrant, so I googled uh, vibrant, non-venomous snakes, and green trees popped up, and uh, I was sold, so I reached out to, actually, Ryan Burke of Clockwork Reptile, he came up on my Google search, reached out to him, and... uh, my first chondro was a yellow neo 
Manakwari mail from him. And uh, that's where I kind of took off from there. It wasn't anything about breeding back then. It was just a pet. But um, that's where I started with chondros. And that's my first snake and basically my only species of snakes that I've ever kept. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah David, it's just like Luke. Like Luke's first uh, first snake was green trees. That's right, yeah. But that was pretty fun. Uh, such a cool animal to start with. Can't go wrong. Yeah, you could. It was rock solid, too. I mean, I never had an issue with it. Um, it was fun for me back then. It was just uh, all about the colors for me. I mean, I, I had triple L reptile stores around me, and they always kept chondros. And I saw the reds when I was uh, first getting into them. And I, honestly, I wasn't even really taken taken back by them. <laughs> I like the yellows better. Yeah, um, but that's changed obviously since since then. But that's how I got the whole red and yellow thing is really over exaggerated. Oh, extremely. I mean, extremely. Are, like I think it matters with like I told Jake on THP the other night. I said with reds, I think it matter like designer stuff. I think reds maybe do matter a little more, but as far right. as I'm concerned, I think the playing field's completely equal across the board. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, I think people are really missing the boat on yellow babies. They, they're just so like primed for line breeding for, mm-hmm. you know, like those crazy, nice dorsal blue stripes, things like that. It's just, they've been ignored for so long that I think if somebody were to focus on those, they, they do awesome. You know, I agree. Yeah. That mail that I just got from Evan, that was a yellow baby. And if you had seen it on a table, you know, with any other just sort of run-of-the-mill yellows, you wouldn't have thought anything of it. And that thing is just, he's hes unreal. Smoking. Yeah. Yep. I'm stupid excited to get that dude paired up, man. I cannot wait. <laughs> I hope he gets the job done. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <clears throat> um, how long did you have that, that mail, that first condor of yours, Michael? Um... I'd say about three, three and a half years. And then uh, when I moved back across country, um, a buddy of mine was in love with it just as much as I was. So I kind of gave that to him as like a parting gift. But yeah, that thing was rock solid from day one till three and a half years old. And where are you living right now? You're up north, right? Yeah, I'm uh, northeast. I'm in Jersey. Oh, okay. Okay. Central Jersey. Yeah. And so after you had gotten rid of that mail, you got into them, I guess, some more once you had settled into your new spot. Like, what's the what's been your... Yeah, I got back to Jersey, um, and I bought a couple Beox. I knew they were solid feeders. I knew they were more... I like the more feisty kind. They're uh, not as uh, hard to get feeding and this and that. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the aggressive stuff, but uh, I had a couple Beox, and then from there I, I was really into um, locality style uh, uh, stuff. Now my plan was to keep with that, um, but then just the, the way I I do things, I, I buy sell trade mostly. Like I, I find it more of a hobby for me, just the interactions with people and and. Uh, the collection growing and expanding and contracting. And uh, I don't know, it's just like a big part of the hobby for me is uh, you know, the collection kind of changes every once in a while. I never really 
held on to too much for too long until lately because I was never really into breeding. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't confident in it yet. Um, and I, I've been keeping chondros for almost a decade now, and I've only had one clutch, so took my time. I really just enjoyed growing them and uh, stuff like that. But I was really into the the locality stuff for a long time. And then, uh, just like everyone else, I guess, I got into the designer stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And did you find that taking your time and watching, you know, those animals grow up and breed them, that made getting those babies in your first clutch more rewarding as a result? Oh, absolutely. It was something <laughs> that was so... Uh, I, it, I was waiting for that for so long. I was mm-hmm. excited, finally. But uh, I was just nervous. I didn't know if I was going to be capable of doing it. I bought a couple of Neos along the way that gave me uh, some struggles as far as feeding-wise. So I wasn't really totally into having a giant collection of babies. Yeah. 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 I kind of had to work myself into that. And even the first clutch I had was was a struggle, man. It was a struggle. Half of them gave me a run of the mill. So, What was that first pairing? Uh, it was an insanity sibling male, which was a Wamana Biok. Um, and I paired him to the popcorn mellow yellow female produced by David, uh, I believe it was Bellis, Dave Bellis. Mm-hmm. And uh, popcorn was an Oshi Biok, really nice high yellow animal. And uh, mellow yellow was a wild claw copia. Nice. And uh, talking to a couple guys, I hear that Kofia are kind of hard to start. So I'm thinking that might be where uh, the reluctancy came from. Yeah. It's how funny. many? Uh, how many babies did you have in that clutch? Uh, there were 12 <laughs> eggs, seven at the distance, and uh, I have one left. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I did a lot of trades. I like I like the uh, barter system. You and me both. That's where yeah. that's where pretty much my entire collection went to. Right, right. But that was... I, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm actually pretty thankful that my first clutch was pretty small. I I had a dozen in mind. Right. And uh, I can't imagine dealing with multiple clutches first time around, trying to figure all that out. You know, yeah. getting them feeding, and that would have been a nightmare. <laughs> Absolutely. What's your uh, what's your current collection looking like now? Um, I still have the Insanity Mail. I'll never get rid of him. He's really cool. Um, I still have Popcorn Mellow Yellow. Um, I have a couple other locality stuff. Um, nothing crazy. Just some stuff that I've got along the way that I really just fell in love with. Um, I got a lot of stuff from James Oldfall. Uh, I think people sleep on James Opdahl's stuff. His, his productions are incredible. Especially his Wilmena Highland stuff right now mm. is just so intense. And uh, I got a couple of those. And I see everyone else posting stuff on them. And every single one is rock solid. looks really cool. Yeah, he produces then, uh, some, some just unreal stuff. I'm, I'm mean to get him and Andy Middleton on the show and we just haven't set it up yet uh, james is kind of a hard guy to to pin down i hung out with him at daytona but right on he's, yeah uh, he's, he's always he's got his hands in so many different facets of life and he's, he's just a really genuine dude really genuine guy uh andy middleton both of them are basically like my 
number one go-to guys right now. Yeah, and so. I've only recently really started talking to Andy a lot, and uh, me and him really hit it off, man. He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a wealth of knowledge, too. I yeah. mean, he knows everything about everything. So if I ever have a question, I go right to Andy or James. And his collection's awesome, too. He's got some really cool scrubs. He's got oh, some yeah. emeralds, man. He's got some of James's uh, chondros. And yep. He's got the... The Malukan project he's working on, I'm really excited for, for yeah. him. Yeah, and those jungles he has, man. He has some of those just old-school, like, scream and yellow yep. like, highlighter jungles. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. <clears throat> and then James, uh, James is working on some really awesome stuff right now. I've heard he's got a lot of really cool stuff in the in the works. Oh yeah, right now his collection is season. incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping he comes down for uh, him and Tim Moore's come down for Carpet Fest in February. That would be awesome. Cause he they were both down for Daytona and it was cool to hang out with Tim Morris uh, too. Right, right. You guys should try to make your way up for North. I want to. Uh, Jake made it up there. When was that? October? No. Um, August. Yeah, it was more in the summer. Yeah. I forget yeah. when. Jake, but... Jake made his way up there. Maybe it was June. I don't know. Jake got up there. I didn't. I'd, I'd like to at some point. And it's just I have to really pick and choose my battles with, with the yeah. time off and work. You know? Totally. I, uh, definitely, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch it at some point, though. It's going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to try to make my way down south for you guys. Yeah. It's just, it's nice because P and Cody have the perfect spot for it. You know, they have land. But, they don't have neighbors like within, you know, 50 yards, 100 yards of them. Right, right. You know, there's room for everyone to kind of spread out. And it's just a, it's a good spot. It's it's centrally located for everybody. You know, they're awesome. kind of like right sort of in the, uh, like, not the panhandle, but they're like an hour outside of Jacksonville, I think. So anybody that's in like South Florida, you know, it's not a crazy drive for them. Anybody above Jacksonville, it's yeah. not a crazy drive for them, you know. So it just works out. <clears throat> but they've got some awesome condors too. I, I haven't even seen like the crazy stuff they have. Like all the all the really nice stuff they have is in their Nido shed. They've got a few floating around in the in the main room. Uh, yeah. So I haven't even seen like the the blue line Tim Morris stuff they've got. Uh, oh, man. The back. I've only seen pictures and video. I think this year is going to be an awesome year for the blue line stuff. Yeah. yeah. I got there's some Andrew Amon blood running around right now. Some projects. Mm-hmm. I know Mark Hager just uh, he hatched out a clutch of the, uh, I think a uh, Andrew Amon male to a Biok female. That was pretty interesting. That'll be. Interesting to see what those babies look like uh, as they go. It's just it's so wild to me that you throw Biok in anything, and it just takes it up a notch, you know. Oh, totally, totally. That's like the best, best. Uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Like foundation mm-hmm. for any kind of project, I think. Anxious to see what these babies from David look like too. That one from that one from you, David, man, that thing's a monster. Oh yeah, that, yeah. 
that's you that one seeing that one when it came to me inspired me to start pushing mine a little more because it was like twice the size of my babies and it was only like a month yeah. later. I was like, <laughs> man, I was like, I gotta start getting some some beef on mine because these things are nothing compared to that thing. Yeah, yeah, it's all just switching from pinkies to fuzzies. Oh yeah, now that I've switched mine to fuzzies, they they've been on fuzzies now for a couple weeks and the, the difference has been incredible. I'm trying, I'm struggling to breathe, y'all. <laughs> okay, got a bad, huh? <laughs> yeah, my nose is on smoking a cigar too, so that doesn't help. But um, <laughs> I just I figured it would help, It'd make me feel better. Um, but Michael, what's your what's your focus as far as what you're keeping? Are you you focused on more locality stuff? Focus on designer? You got it kind of evenly split. Um, right now, as far as breeding goes, I'm really interested in the high yellow stuff. Um, everyone's into the the blues and everything like that, but I, I'm kind of drawn to the high yellow stuff myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that like calicoey effect that I, I'm getting with this uh, with the uh, insanity mail. So I'm kind of trying to enhance that a little bit. Uh, got a nice high yellow. I wouldn't call it a high yellow, but it's got some really nice yellow wash. I got a new Jaipur female coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited about that. That was posted not too long ago, a couple of days uh, up on the forums. Um, High yellow is going to be like my main focus, I think. You ever talked to Brian Fisher and Justin Wilbanks then? Um, I haven't, no. But they're they're will. high yellow guys too. Right, right. Wilbanks loves the mustard in, stuff. Um, Andrew Gustava, Goodermain's new pairing. Super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to even see how those turn out. Really interesting pairing. Yeah, he's another one where his pairings seem like they're really like meticulously sort of plotted out. You know, they're, yeah, they're very methodical, very yeah. like laser focused, and he just everything I've seen from him is just absolutely unreal. Oh yeah, incredible stuff. Incredible. What's your favorite locality? Uh, I think Lamena. Honestly, I love Lamena. I've had a couple pure Lamena. Um, and I, I just like the diversity they throw down and everything mm-hmm. coming from a woman is kind of like with the Bioc, it's just super enhanced and totally at a left field as far as what I've seen. Um, my clutch, I had, uh, all reds and not a single one looked the same, not a single one. They all have, um, either, um, a really busy or non-existent pattern and the, everything just the color variations the pattern variation was just really cool to uh when they started popping out i was shocked i was like oh my god <laughs> but, uh, yeah i would say Wilmena. i mean i'm working mostly with Wilmena. i got a lot of the highland Wilmena stuff from james and they're incredible and i'd have to say any pure locality wise Wilmena, or maybe arfac Mm-hmm. Something a little uh, different and funky. Yeah, seeing the ones that uh, that that Skiavino has as far as the Arfax is really those are really something different. Oh, those are just straight showstoppers. <laughs> Incredible. I would say it'd be interesting Arfax to see what uh, different. yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he what what that would do if he threw that in with something some of the designer stuff too. But we I think we know Gary would never do that. No, I think I think his main focus are the women or not women the. Manicuaris, yeah, Arfax, the Marfax, 
and he's a he's another influence for me huge influence for me uh since he's not too far away i've had some good interaction with him mm-hmm. um he was a really big uh help for me as far as getting baby started to eat or this and that or <laughs> anything i can go to him with and he was he always a huge help always willing to give his knowledge that's why I'm so jealous of like the Colorado people and the Texas gang and the Maryland mm-hmm. folks. Like every there's usually someone who's who's got all that information within, you know, a couple hours drive. Like down here I don't really have that. Right, right. <clears throat> I think the closest people I have is Cody and Pia and they're three almost four hours away. Right on. Yeah. I, I feel your pain, Justin. I don't have anybody <laughs> up here either. It's <laughs> because no one else lives in Maine. No, <laughs> there's like three people up here. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a, well, I'll take that back. I don't, I don't know. Jacob, you know, you guys know Jacob CH at Condro, Condro, uh, craft. Mm-hmm. He's up in Charleston. He's about an hour and a half from me. Okay. He's got some killer stuff too. If y'all ain't following him on Instagram, y'all need to be. Cause he's, got, he's got an incredible collection. Like, holy my God, he's got some killer animals. <clears throat> and he's a really nice guy. I met him at Daytona too. I didn't even realize he was in Charleston until we had started talking. And he's he's right up the road. Yeah, there are a couple guys around me. A couple good guys. James Smith. He's a good dude. He's mm-hmm. always uh he's been into reptiles forever. He worked at a pet shop when he was growing up. So I went to him for a couple uh questions and concerns here and there along the way. Great dude. Always down to talk about reptiles. We got a couple pairings going this season too. I'm hoping for him. They go for him. But uh, yeah, I think Andy and, and James are really my my go-to guys mm-hmm. around here. Yeah, really happy that James is close by. His collection was awe-inspiring to say the least. I don't even know how many animals he has. There's just so many, and they're all killer. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of them is just jaw-dropping yeah that's it's really not surprising any like all the stuff andy has from him that's not even done going through the change yet it's still it's insane now and it's you know they're only gonna get better yeah <clears throat> but as far as your group how are you keeping yours like what do you as far as like setups from neos up to adults what do you what do you like to do all right. Well, Neos, I keep them in a baby rack, hatchling rack, um, made by sea serpents. Um, I really like them. They're solid. Um, running those with back heat and the VE 100. Um, I've never had an issue. I have the same unit I started with. And, um, actually, I just purchased two um, a little bit larger racks from uh, Animal Plastics. Um, I heard they're really good quality. Um, if I can get them in, I'll attest to it or not, but I'm taking forever to get here. But um, my adults, uh, my males I have in a 2 by 2 PVC enclosure made by PVC cages. Uh, my females are in a 3 by 2 And um, and then the grow-out stuff, um, I used to just have them in... Um, like a larger uh, rack system, but I, I met these guys at Tinley 
um, Viper Enclosures. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy's name's Gary. Great dude. Really cool to work with. Uh, I'm trying to work on a grow-out size PVC enclosure. Um, kind of for like a midway right. enclosure between uh, a neo rack and an adult size enclosure. Well, that's what we were talking about before the episode. This is like that's mm-hmm. like kind of the one size that's the hardest to sort of nail down when they're in between. Right. You know, when they're in that like two year mark or so, mm-hmm. when they're too small for anything like a cube, but they're too big for anything that you would put in like a rack. Exactly. You know, and so finding that that just odd in between stage, and I I still experiment with kind of some other stuff. Uh, you know, like that that male from Evan. That's a three year old male, and he's in a two hundred quart. Uh, with the Python portal from David, and uh, I'm actually thinking about cutting him back to something slightly smaller, just because he's not that big of a snake. Um, right, right. You know, it just so it's like I said, it's just that awkward stage where you just can't seem to like this one's too big, this one's too small, right. this one's still kind of not exactly what I'm looking for. But <clears throat> I think uh-huh. that's definitely a uh, like you had mentioned for someone who doesn't have you know a huge collection, but Right, has a right. few snakes that are kind of in this awkward stage. Like these things are perfect right. and they look really sharp. Yeah, I, I love the design that they came out with. Um, and they have a couple different uh, options as far as um, uh, front sliding doors. They have the guillotine that go you could slide it up. Where we have the other regular doors that slide left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like a stack of like three or four, it's it's perfect for the small hobbyist or collector. Um, I don't think they're ideal for breeders. Um, just cause, I mean, you'd have a whole wall of them if you needed them. But I mean, as far as sitting side by side, the sliding door kind of knocks into the one next to right. it, or you know. So I, I think it's it's geared more towards the hobbyist or collector, um, not so much a breeder. But they do also offer other stuff too. This just happens to be the one unit that I decided to lock in on and fine-tuned yeah and you've been working with david as far as finding like a perch for these yeah um we came up uh dave came up with a really cool uh design it's perfect it's it's very simple it's very sterile it's very easy to remove which is my main my main concern with perching Mm -hmm. um it fits perfect it it looks sharp and uh it enhanced the look of the enclosure even more nice that's what david does man (laughs) i know i have to tell you man your your stuff is ingenious um thanks (laughs) absolutely best of the best one percent of the one percent there you go i don't know about that (laughs) i do it is man i use it like for everything dude everything like my rack system for my neos these perches here the little hooks Mm mm-hmm that's awesome. Like I have that's an idea, idea, and since I can't build anything for shit, I was like, I'm gonna go to David and see if he can do exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Even if I can't explain it to him, he's still like, like with the, the hook. I was like, all right, I want a hook, but I want it right. to be no bigger than like a pen. Mm-hmm. And I'll be damned if I didn't have an envelope with like three different prototypes in it. And I was like, man, this is exactly what I wanted. Absolutely. He's like a wizard. Aim to please. There you go. <laughs> hey, uh, how do they how, how do they heat those viper cages? I I uh, was looking at them a little bit. What are they using for heat options? 
So they basically are just the shell. So what I get from them is is uh, the shell of the unit. And um, I've always been looking for something that's big enough, but still small, but big enough to fit just the smallest pro panel um, that you can get on the market. And, I, and when I saw this unit at Tinley, I was like, this is it. This is yeah. It. It was just like, oh, called out to me. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I installed the 12 by 6 pro panel in there with an LED um, bracket lamp and your perch. And it's running good. Temps are awesome. Um, it holds humidity really well. I really like it. There's a couple things that I want to tweak with them that we've discussed to make it a little better. Um I think the the placement of the vents could could be better off somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a small gap in the, the front sliding door that um, trying different things to close without having the um, acrylic scratch and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a solid unit for the target that I'm aiming to try to to help. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I mean, I I have people message me on Instagram all the time saying, you know, I got a snake that's, you know, that's too big for a rack, but it's too small for anything bigger. You know, what do I do? And I, oh, yeah. like for yeah. mine, I've just used the Draco portals with like a twenty quart tub. Yeah. But even then, like they outgrow that within like a year, and right, so then right. lately, like my my thing has been, you know, they go from a six quart <clears throat> hatchling rack until it starts to get kind of tight for them, then they go into the twenty quart. And then they go into a 200 and just kind of grow into that. Right. Uh, but I found, like, I just moved one of my small, uh, this female Biak I have, I just moved her into that 200 cord a couple of weeks ago, and she's been real difficult with food. So I'm going to start, I need to put some, uh, like, some cover in there and some fake plants and stuff and sort of make her feel a little more secure because she just, she was, she was a monster with food before, and now she's just kind of shy about it. So Right, right. <clears throat> It's kind of it's a little big for, but like I said, she'll grow into it, and as soon as she starts eating again, yeah. But that is you clutter it up a little more, and yeah, more cover for her. She'll at least until she starts becoming a monster, and then I don't worry about it anymore. Like there you go. Once they get like I have a few, you know, they they don't care. Like I could freaking keep them, let, let them roam free in the room. They'd eat every time. Right, but for some reason, there's just and I've, I've seen it happen with others too. You know, you move them into something else, even if it's a little bigger, not a whole lot, and they still they just mm-hmm. for whatever reason just completely turns them off. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that happened to me with the snake that I had with no eyes, Stevie. Yeah, he what's up a, with that one? Oh, he's my favorite man. He's, he's pretty. <laughs> he's just so unique. Um, I I met James Oakdall at the White Plains Reptile Show. And I got to talking with him. And then uh, I think it was like a few shows after that, he had that clutch with him at the show. And he was showing me a couple of the other ones. You know, I was looking to buy something, um, but it was all depending on what I sold that day at the show. So uh, I ended up only selling one snake. I had no, no dough. And, uh, and then I saw Stevie. I'm like, yo, what's up with that guy? And he was like, oh, he's special, man. I'm like, yeah, I know. I have to have, I have, to have him. So I, I put the waterworks on, and I, I, <laughs> and I, I just talked him into selling him. And then, uh, yeah, but the, the, with him, 
I had him in the the, the hatchling rack with your purchase, David. Yep. And he's doing fantastic. And then I tried to bump him up to a larger enclosure because he's like, he's pushing the limits in that hatchling mm-hmm. rack. And uh, he just grounded and grounded and like, whatever I could do to try to help him i just think that the extra space freaked him out because he can't see anything so i have a feeling he's going to be in that kind of style tub his whole life unfortunately so dave we're mm. going to have to work on some larger but same exact purchases for him. yeah <laughs> isn't that interesting though that he even without eyes like they can tell I just, I, he would, um, what I did was I tried the, uh, Viper enclosure for him first. He was like my first, cause he needed the next size up mm-hmm. the most, you know? And I actually, the reason I went with this and tried to do it right away was for him. He was like my little prototype tester outer. <laughs> and, um, what I did was I, I eventually just, I took the perch out of his tub and put it in there. And he was good for a while, but then the heat wasn't reaching him the way I wanted it to. Yeah. It wasn't high enough. Um, so I, I put him back in the, the hatching rack, unfortunately, for now. But, um, yeah. So What temperatures? Having like- one without eyes is going to be the craziest thing. Like, what what's he like around feeding time? Because you know how cued in they are with sight and, and that right. sort of thing? I mean, what, what's it like interacting with him? He is um, definitely a runner. Um, as he should be. As far as getting <laughs> out of the enclosure, I really don't mess with him. I don't like messing with him. Yeah, uh, I know it freaks him out. Um, but his feeding response is the same, if not better, than anyone else in my collection. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. So without the sight, all his other senses are just so heightened. Like he'll tag a, a, a mouse from the back of the enclosure to the front of the enclosure with no problem. First shot. Oh, man. So he's like really like radar. Yeah, that's that's wild. And it's it's insane because when you see him, it's like literally like eyes never were even a thought when this thing, I guess, was in yeah. development or something, yep. whether it's genetic or a hatching thing. I don't know. But it's it's just right, right. like there's no no signs of them, period. It's it's just it's literally it's eyeless. It's very slight. Yeah. But what's cool is the pattern just runs right through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like a blind cave chondro. Yeah. (laughs) He's a pretty snake, though. Thank you. Yeah, uh, he's my all-time favorite. And James produced him, right? Yeah. And did he have any any others from that clutch that had that issue, or do you think that was just like an incubation fluke? I I think it was an incubation fluke. Um, That's what him and I both um, believe. Mm Mm-hmm. So I had a conversation with him. That's what he um, offered as far as what he thought went wrong with him. Um, other clutch mates of his are stellar. They're fine. So I, I think, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't think it's a genetic thing. Right. Um, some people do. Some people are like, you better not breed that thing ever. Yeah, some like, people also think green trees have wings. So Exactly. So, I mean, well, David's working on that Red Bull line. So That's like, right. I'm That's mine. That. <laughs> Don't anybody else get any ideas. It's proprietary. That's right. Yeah. Patent pending. 
Yeah, Did James say anything about it? Was he difficult to get feeding when he was out of the egg, or? Um, you know, I don't recall that conversation. I'm sure we had it. Um, when I first received him, he was a little hesitant on feeding. I was a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, but James said, "Dude, just just keep at it. Be confident." Um, and, and within two feedings, I mean, he took it, but it was like really reluctant at first. But then uh, after two or three feeding offers, he, he was just locked on. Yeah. I, I think it was the change of scenery for him, even though he can't see anything. But I think it was <laughs> can't definitely see it, but I could feel into, it. Yeah, a different perch system, different mm-hmm. uh, same size tub, but different perch system. Um, definitely different scents and stuff. Since he can't see, everything else is super heightened. So I'm sure that all played into it. Yeah, it's wild. With one of the babies that I had from Luke, it was kind of the same way. Like, it wasn't a really hard hitter with food. It would kind of just be like, I I think this is food. Like, I kind of want it, but I kind of don't. And then it would, like, gently sort of just grab it and then slowly wrap it and be like, okay, I guess I'll eat it. But I moved that one into a 20-quart, but it's one of the ones with, like, opaque sides, so they're not clear. Right, right. But you could still see through it fine. Uh, And maybe not opaque, but just sort of clouded plastic, not right, clear. Right. And uh, like that thing it. now, yeah, like when I walk by now, that little thing's like perking up and kind of coming at me and stuff like that. It's really, really strange. So I awesome. wonder if sort of having that sort of semi-visual barrier does make a difference with them. Right, so, right. I think so. Yeah. Uh, as far yeah, as... Yeah, I'm, I'm always surprised at how much they seem like they're just like real creatures of habit. Like I, I had a uh, a baby that I raised up on one of the perches that I that I make, and I I took that animal with that perch and put it into the adult enclosure, and that animal would not leave that perch. I'm gonna say for at least a year mm-hmm. before it transitioned onto the um, the higher perches that I had in that enclosure. Right. Like they they don't like changing things up once yeah. they've they've been established at least that's uh-huh. been my experience it takes them a long time right yeah i agree with that and i mean you know a while ago you know when i first got into green trees by switching this one female to that bigger tub you know i would have kind of worried that she stopped feeding but now it's just like whatever i know you're just sort of adjusting so i don't really sweat it too much because i i know she'll get back to it. and i can get her to eat if i pester her long enough but Mm-hmm. Some days I just don't feel like doing that, and I'm like, whatever, we'll try again next week. Okay. I'll come back in your better mood. And uh, Evan's mail, that that mail I got from him, is kind of the same way. Like he's, I've had him eat twice since I got him, and I offered him something last night, and he was just not having it. He was just, you could tell, he was just not feeling it. So I don't know. I've I've also noticed those two snakes when the lights are out, they're in the position and they're waiting. But if the lights are on, you know, they want nothing to do with it. Right. So now, if I see him, you know, the last time I fed that male, I could see him caught a luring. When I walked by the tub, I heard the thud of him hitting it. So I was like, okay, he's hungry. Mm-hmm. So I went and thought out a mouse, and he, he grabbed it right away. So that just falls into sort of like the reading the snake. And, uh, you know, they may not be ready when you're ready, but when they are, you right. know, thaw something out and throw it to them and see if they take it. Exactly. Because they'll tell you a lot. It's amazing what a creature with like no facial expression, no legs and arms can tell you. Yeah, absolutely. But as far as heating those, 
the yeah they are. They uh every single one of them. But uh, as far as heating those viper cages, like do you, what do you have that that pro panel set at? Um, I have it set at eighty three, mm-hmm. and right where the perch, it's a small enclosure, so yeah. Um, I didn't want to put it too high, just and still testing it all out. But I have it at eighty three. The top perch is right around eighty three, and then like the the, the low side is right around like seventy nine. Um, no this is not a huge gradient, but there's enough in there. Um, I'm actually tempted to maybe put the perch on an angle. James, old, James gave me that idea to give the lower end a little bit of a distance away from the panel, mm-hmm. whereas the higher end in the back would be closer to it, almost like a, a sideways yeah, tilted ladder almost. Mm-hmm. That's an idea, you know. Yeah, and I ask because, like, the two-foot cubes, I've been pretty vocal about me just not being a fan of them because you just don't get a decent gradient with them. Right. Like, the whole, the temperature of the box is pretty much whatever the thermostat is set at, and I've actually come to find that with these 200-quart tubs, I run the thermostats lower, I put Uh them at about 80 because it gets pretty warm in the entire box, and so the cold end doesn't really become, like, a a cooler end, it just becomes a slightly less warm end. What size panel are you running in the cube so you're noticing there's not a gradient? Uh, the one, it's one of the ones from Sharphorn from PVCCages.com, okay. whichever okay. one just came with that. Okay. Uh, but in the tubs, I'm running like the, what is it, like a 26 watt, the smallest size that Reptile Basic sells. Right, right. And that's on one end. So, I mean, there's very, you know, it's at, with a 200 quart tub, like they're they're gigantic. There's space, yeah. Um, but I have that panel set on one side. I was originally going to try it in the middle, kind of like Irby does, but mm-hmm. because of that issue of not really having a cool end anywhere at that point, I was like, I'll just keep it to one side. You know, right. they have. I take a whole. I, they have one perch in the in the in the tub, but then I have three of David's uh, like dragonfly or the half half perches. Right, right. Yep. Well, you know, one on the hot end, one in the middle, and one on the cool end, <clears throat> and. uh yeah, I just notice every time those things are plugged in, like the cooler end is still pretty warm, you know. So I mm-hmm. I run them all on the lower end of the dial. Uh, right. I think I have them set at like eighty, and that's mm-hmm. just because they hold heat so well, you know. That, right. That yeah. I, I don't want to get them any warmer than that, really. I noticed in the in the two by two cubes from from PVC cages, I use the forty watt, and I'll get like a, a decent gradient. Maybe it's just I don't have ambient temp rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't run my room at an ambient temperature, but um, maybe that's why I guess. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, I've, I've noticed there's there's I have 84 up in the hot end, and then I, I do I get down to the um, the high like mid high 70s on mm-hmm. the cool side. Because my adult, they're, off, they're offset too to the one side in the back. Right, and my adult male Biak, he's in one of those. He's in the only. That's the only cube I have, and he's in that one. Right. Uh, and he never leaves that top perch. But I have the thermostat set at like eighty three. So I'm wondering if either those other two perches that come with them are too big, and I need to mm-hmm. offer him a couple of smaller ones and see if that makes any difference. Right. Uh, because he just he never leaves that top one unless he's out cruising. Yeah. And it always kind of bothered me, but at the same time, it's like if he's comfortable he's comfortable you know whatever some of them just do that some of them just love the hot end and don't ever want to leave it 
I see most of my my males hover around the hot side. I actually see a lot, almost all my females just tend to stay on the cooler side all the time, and they tend to be on one of the like the lower perches too. Yeah, I stopped offering lower perches because none of mine ever used them. Uh-huh. None of them. Like I'd put no. them in there, and I'm like, unless it's that that cube that just came with them, and I have no, you know, I have no other use for them. Right. Like I've offered them, and none of them ever used it. So I'm like, whatever, we'll just we'll ditch it entirely. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, I just kind of let them do their thing. But my new idea for kind of the grow outs now is there's a, I think it's like a 70 quart maybe. I'm looking at it right now on one of my shelves. It's just empty. I'm going to try that. It's basically doing like a mini version of that 200 quart setup that I've been rocking. Right. So, curious to see if that'll work. But that's another one where if you put a panel in there, it's going to take up a decent chunk of the lid and that's when I just want to run it cooler. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's tough to navigate. Like I said, it's just that odd size where, you know, there's it, the tubs are either too big or too small. And if you want to run right. a panel in it, it's just, it's difficult because it's either going to take yeah. up all the lid or you know, not enough. What's the smallest panel that's currently available? Who, who makes it? Uh, I think pro product. What is it? The pro yeah, panel that I'm using panel. for the, the enclosures I'm working on are 12 by 6. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely smaller than the ones that I'm using from RBI. Let me look that up real quick. And what I love about them is they're fireproof, 100% guaranteed. Yeah. And it's that's the way to go. Oh, absolutely. I've heard horror stories about the ones that are in the PVC cages. I heard some of them melt, some of them... See, I haven't had that issue with any of mine. Like, yeah. of mine are that... that... That difficult. I haven't personally had any issues, but I've heard stories. The twenty-eight watt that I use is twelve and one eighth inch by nine and one quarter, and then it's like one point seven five inches uh, thick. Yeah, that's their smallest one, right? Yeah, that's the smallest they offer. Yeah, I think Pro Pro Panel is the smallest one on the market. Yeah, I just hate having to like call or email them and be like, I need one this yeah. size, you know, with like RBIs, just put it in the cart and order it. Mm-hmm. It's a little frustrating because that's like the size I want. I have to like special order it yeah. every time. I, I just found that out, and there's no bulk order pricing whatsoever. So that's kind of pain in the ass, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, there's really no I, way around. <laughs> I do, and they like the the new Vivarium Electronics panels. The ones from Reptile Basics are supposed to be new and improved for like 2019. They've changed something on them. Uh, um, apparently, I think you're you're right. I think they did change something. Actually, James Smith would be a great guy to ask about that. He knows about them. He's, He's basically. I'm looking at the website Mike, right now. Um, <laughs> says the 28 watt, the 40 watt, 80 watt, and 120 watt panels are made from Norl for improved heating efficiency, better durability, and easier use. It's N O R Y L. So. I don't notice any major difference between those and kind of the older model, but mm-hmm. I do wish they were a tad thinner. Like if they were about yeah, the same as size far, as that smaller, yeah. like if they made a like a mini version of that, I'd be all over it. And maybe I should right. I should probably email them and see if they could do that. Yeah, that, I don't I don't it have any to do reason. Something to... on the inside of those things, you can't <clears> get them any smaller. Or... Yeah, and I don't even know what it is they use on the inside of that. If it's like a heat cord or right, right. something else, I, have, I I'm not brave enough to spend the money on one to go and crack it open and figure it out. Right, yeah. Because even those are... 28 watts are 65 bucks. 
Yeah, the ones I'm using for the pro pound are 75 bucks. I'm like, is there a bulk price that I yeah. can get? If I order like 10 or 20, he's like, no, unfortunately not. And you said that's All a 12 right. by 6 and that's a custom size? Um, it's I don't know if it's a custom size, but it's not a size that he he keeps uh, readily available. Um, he watt heat panels in there, mm-hmm. um, and then forty watts in the two two by two for the males, Do-do-do. and they all have the David Brahms perch. The specialty uh, enclosure designs, deluxe. Yes, the jelly cup holders, fully modded. Every every cage. <laughs> Because David's the man. Yes, sir. Oh, goodness, you guys killing me. <laughs> he just makes all the coolest stuff. I, I do. I have to say, I enjoy scoping out your uh, your site here and there. Oh, good. Yep. I haven't had anything new in a while. I, I've been so busy. It's uh, one thing going to the websites. You want to see updated stuff every once in a while, and I. I told myself when I made the site I wasn't going to let it sit, but here I am. I haven't had any substantial updates in quite a while. Well, I think the stuff you offer is just solid. So I mean, it fits the need. Like there's nothing. Exactly. Like, there's yeah. no reason for anything else. Like it right. does exactly what you need it to do. Unless they come up with like a new Sterlite tub that's not invented yet or something. Right, but even then, yeah. you just send them the dimensions. Well, I have been and doing guess that. What? Yep. He makes it. Which, I mean, that's, I still try to wrap my head around that whole thing sometimes, like how you figure out exactly how to make these things fit as well as they do. Exactly. I just, I, maybe it's because math is not my strong suit and building anything is not my strong suit. <laughs> but I'm just, like, I don't know how he does it. That's not as hard as you might think. For someone like me, I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, just the blueprints that you sent me for the, uh, the Viper enclosure ones, I was blown away. And then to be able to put that to a 3D printer and come out like that, it's I'm blown away. Well, you guys make it up this way at some point. I'll have to show you how I do it. Right on. <laughs> oh, so what's your feeding regimen like for your group? Are you are Jay? you a, a mice or rat guy? I'm a mouse guy. I did switch to rats um, just because of um, just insights from other guys. and So I gave it a whirl, but I, I noticed um, in my um, experience, I had a lot of females that were holding on to their uh, excrements a lot longer than I noticed mm-hmm. than when they were with uh, feeding on mice. Um, I had a lot of tail drops, well, tail hangers. Yeah. Um, the whole holding on to it for so long, and that was before um, I knew about the rain chamber and stuff like that. And that was a good development that actually really worked for me really well. Um, but before that, I was just so like, what the hell do I do with this? Um, but then I switched back to mice, and I, I actually stopped having that issue. Uh, with 90%. And that's just my personal experience with it. I, I noticed that um, female, my females aren't holding on to it as long. They are holding on to it longer than the males tend to, but um, not like they were when I was feeding rats. Right. And I don't know if that has to do with uh, 
bone structure or the hair um, thickness maybe or what but so I, I tend to just stick with the mice and I, I don't I don't like to overfeed my animals. I don't have like a, a week. I used to have like a, every week I would just try to feed everybody the same day because it was just simple and easy. Right. But I tend to just kind of look at them now. Like if I see like I'm looking right now at my Womaniac and he's coddling like crazy. Maybe because I'm just sitting in front of this tank. But I'll, I'll breed them more than I'll just I won't just go down and be like, all right, today's feeding day. Yeah. I pretty much have all my smaller stuff is getting fed every five days, and then right, anything right, bigger right, right. gets like weekly to every other week, and then uh-huh. my really big stuff like my adult brettles and my adult female biak. Uh, she, I mean, I've been feeding her more lately just to kind of beef her up going into this next pairing. Right. Um, but like her and my adult male, I feed them once a month. Mm-hmm. I just and she's been I've been giving her medium rats the last two or three meals but like i said it's been once a month so it hasn't been you know a medium rat every other week right <clears throat> uh and that's just yeah, that's, like that's normally she just gets mice a... yeah usually she right. just gets mice but because i wanted to kind of beef her up going into this next season you know i figured that right. that extra extra bit of poundage will uh will help her out actually i had a really interesting conversation with james oakdahl about that um mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a misconception because I don't know. Um, and he didn't call it that either, but yeah. he just, he had some insight on um, the whole thing with um, respiratory issues during breeding season. And um, I forget exactly what he said, but he said that there's a part of the snake that when you over, not overfeed them, but when you try to quote unquote bulk them up for the season, mm-hmm. uh, it actually might work against you. Um, as far as um, her health, there's um, – I really wish she was on the phone right now because she could clarify it. But he said it was it was pushing on organs, like the fat deposits or – man, I really wish I could Yeah, no, I mean that makes sense thinking about it. Just yeah. like us, you know, when you go to Golden Corral and you freaking load up. Like right, gets, right, I don't right. know about y'all, but it gets hard to breathe. You know, like I said, I'm fat. Exactly. I go to Golden Corral a lot. But... <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I tend to keep my snakes slender. I mean, they're not going to be eating a big meal every week religiously in the wild. And they're, they're more. They need uh, to be 5,000 grams, Michael. Right. Well, every single one of them, if they're not called. Yeah. I mean, they get more exercise and whatnot in the wild and in, in these enca- enclosures they're just kind of just chilling there they don't move around about a lot they don't work off the, the fatty deposits that they're getting i don't think but they I, could I, lose I, weight if they tried right but at the same time like oh, i see a lot of snakes not a lot but some sometimes i just see some really hefty green tree pythons mm-hmm. and i'm just like that's really not i'm not going to say anything unless you ask but that's in my opinion that's not <laughs> But they're supposed to look like. But yeah, and I mean, well, like at what? And this is something I asked David and Luke the other day. But at what point do you, with the babies you had, did you, did you slow down when you switched them to fuzzies? Like, did you go from five days to seven days? Um, yeah, I, I did. Um, 
I was doing pinkies every four to five days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ones that weren't really taking right away, uh, I was doing Harlan Wall's pinky head trick. Yeah. Uh, which really, really helped. Uh, it didn't. I tried it, it man. I couldn't keep the head on the stick, dude. Yeah, I, I kind of. So well, I would grab the snake by the back of the head slightly, like lightly, gently, um, mm-hmm. and kind of coerce the head into the mouth and then put a little pressure on the top of the nose just to get the tooth like locked in in there mm-hmm. and um, just put them back and uh, it would take it down and one after the other they kind of just got either tired of that or realized that mice are actually a food item but um, once they got the fuzzies I mean the one or two of them that never had an issue they took off in size like mm-hmm. crazy so I really didn't want to overfeed them because they were growing like weeds so I, I cut them back to 10 days with larger fuzzies. Okay. And David, you said you cut yours back when you switched them to fuzzies, right? Yeah. Um, mainly just because it was taking them a little bit longer to go to the bathroom. I didn't want to mm-hmm. pump them up too much. Yeah. So, you know, instead of about every five days, it ended up being about, you know, once a week, maybe a little bit longer. Right. Because my the three that I still have, like I said at the beginning of the episode, man, they now that I got them on fuzzies, they've been they skyrocketed. But I don't, you know, with their metabolism being higher in smaller sizes like that, I don't necessarily want to take my foot off the gas. Like with the one I have from David, yeah. I could cut that one back because that one is becoming kind of a chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the other ones, I mean, they're 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 just moving. You know, the the one I got from Brian Fisher, that Manoc, the uh, that one I got from David Hockstadt, uh, you know, they're they're rocking and rolling too, but it's mostly feel like I'm playing catch up with these uh, these three that I had. But how how often are you feeding your adults, Michael? Um, I don't. I, I no longer have the schedule. Um, I was doing the the once every ten days thing, but then even then, like I don't. I don't see like I feel like I was like kind of forcing some of them to eat when they didn't really want to eat, and I just kind of read them now. And if I see them, they're going into like. Tonight I see Ronan. He's he's my maniac. He looks like he's ready to rock and roll. So tomorrow I'll feed him. But I'll, I'll go through the whole collection every night, and um, I keep records of every feed, shed, fecal. Um, so if I notice that they've eaten in like the last five or six days, I'm not even gonna think about it. But if it's been like seven to eight days, and they look like they're going to hunt <clears throat> mode, um, the next day I'll all for a meal mm-hmm. i, I kind of like that better because you get a little more eyes on the guys you get more focused on reading them and that's kind of how i'm playing it right now mm-hmm. it's tough i've had a few man where i feed them and they go right back to the person they start caught alluring again yep <laughs> so it's like that's why i like to keep records of stuff yeah i I'm really vigilant on, on writing down everything for each animal <laughs> That's why I know I'm not overfeeding anybody. Because if I'm not doing it everybody at the same day every week, it's hard to keep track of who yeah, it is. It is. You producing your first clutch that happened. That was this year, correct? That was May of this year. Oh, okay. Same as yeah. me. Awesome. What was it? what day was it? Might have been the same day. May twenty third. Oh, I think mine was. 
Either the 11th or the 14th for some reason that's sticking out in my mind. Right I don't know. But uh, <coughs> What was your first experience with breeding them like? So I was really nervous. Um, <laughs> like I said, I, I, I still don't think I was 100% ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just got sick tired of waiting. Um, so I had a, a lot of encouragement from Harlan. Harlan was a really awesome uh, wealth of knowledge for me. Um, even from the beginning, like my whole, my whole journey with Condros, Harlan has been there pretty much the whole time. And, uh, he's like, dude, you're never going to be ready. Just do it. (laughs) I put them in, um, they were face to face. I was like freaking out. I'm like, should I pull them out? Should I pull them out? He's like, dude, chill out. Let them hang. So, um, yeah, I was a little nervous at first, a little taken back by what I should be expecting from each one behavior wise but they got along great they were awesome i left them in there the whole time um i took them out just for feeding and to uh give them a little bit of a a wash down Mm -hmm. just to get all the funky stuff off of them and uh i kept them together i think it was i want to say a good solid two months yeah but that's the, that's the what female. I did. I just kept my yeah. with my girl indefinitely until you know I got right. ovulation or I got eggs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was looking for the ovulation. This girl threw me for a loop. Like um, she didn't have that big O mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I look at her every day, so I'm pretty sure I didn't miss it. But uh, so I was like back and forth to whether or not she was even pregnant. And then uh, Gary Shavino gave me the uh the lowdown i, I used the uh, sphagnum moss on the bottom mm-hmm. with uh like a half round um like a pork round yeah yeah so i went with that and then the, the day i put that stuff in there she started cruising around checking it out which is normal regardless of mm-hmm. if she was pregnant or not but then i, I noticed she started to tend to stay underneath right the, the cork round um for like a week solid so i was like all right this is some good good visual cues here so one day i just i lifted it up and there were pearly whites in there and what was uh what what did you do as far as incubation goes like how did you uh did you have them over water did you have them in vermiculite um i only used water that was it um I had water. I I used the uh, sim container. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pretty happy with that one? Uh, I like them. Because I was uh, trying to find. They're hard to find now. Like I don't know if they just like stop making them or what, but they are really tough to come across now. He's actually actually you hit him up right now, John. <laughs> he's a cool dude. Um, they were like few and far between. I think they stopped producing them for a while or or something or just ran out of stock. I don't know. But uh, the last show was out of White Plains, New York. Uh, he had like a whole table full of them. So I'm sure if you reached out to him now, you could definitely get your hands on a few. Yeah, I'll have to look into that because that's, that's one of the things I'm changing this next round. Uh, the first mm-hmm. box that I used was just like a Sterilite shoebox with like the white lid. And I had a mine over water and they were getting dehydrated. And I was like, what the hell? Like, this doesn't make sense. They're mm-hmm. over water. How is this happening? Uh, now I realize like that, that first two weeks or so, apparently they're not supposed to have really any ventilation. Right. That should be airtight. And that was the big 
issue that first time around. So this time it'll either be a sim container. I want to get one of those Ziploc tubs that has that gasket, mm-hmm. the, the clamps on each side. So I'm going to try right, one right. of those. And then I want to do a bigger box than I did last time too because I feel like that six-quart uh, apparently if you talk to people in like the saltwater fish realm, uh, right. bigger tanks are much easier to maintain as far as temperatures go than smaller ones yeah. because the fluctuations are just, they're harder to manage in a smaller tank, which I guess makes sense. Gotcha. So I want to upgrade the size of the, the egg box and I want to change the type of eggs box I was using. Right. But I do want to try. Yeah, I didn't containers. ask, I didn't ask a lot of questions about that and I should have, um, some people say like, put holes in the side of them and then cover them with tape. Mm-hmm. I did that. And then every so often un- uncover a hole here and there. I didn't do any holes ever. The only airflow that I had was where the probe entered the, the, the sim container. Yeah. And I, I think I just got lucky maybe. I don't know. Um, but I, I didn't do the holes like everyone suggested now, I, I didn't even ask that question. I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just did them over water? You didn't do them over, like, that gel? Um, the sim containers come with a packet of yeah. stuff to, to mix with water. I didn't use that. I talked to Gary Shabino, and he said, you just use water. I think it was Gary. Mm-hmm. And, and it worked out fine. I, I had everything running at, um, shit, what temp was it? I forget what temperature I was running, but because uh, I was doing eighty-seven point five, but talking to Harlan last time, I think right. Harlan now says he likes to run his. I think it's sixty-five point five or sixty-six. I think he wants to. He was looking to do eighty-six straight. Yeah, that's what I meant. Not, I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah like eighty-six or his, eight, Yeah, he said he's sold on that now. Right. <laughs> One of his friends, I don't know who it was, but they they did that accidentally i think it was the story and the, the animals came out like so much more robust and, and and more girthy than normal and it's crazy that like one degree makes that big of a difference yeah really wild. i think the incubation time was either a little bit longer or a mm. little bit shorter i forget which um but he said the animals that came out of the eggs were just more robust and uh, I mean, I can't attest for that. I went with the 87.5. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last 10 days or so, uh, after talking with um, Patrick Holmes, who's another awesome wealth of knowledge, yep. uh, he said to drop it a little bit because towards the end of maternal incubation, the female will actually let go a little right, bit. Right, because they're, they're producing more heat on their own. They're, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I did that. Is there, I mean, is now having done it the first time around, is there stuff you'd change the next, like your next, next go? Um, I, I kind of want to do the holes in the incubator tub, but at the same time, I don't want to change anything. I don't want to jinx myself, but <laughs> I mean, so I, I, I don't know. I think I'm just going to wing it like I won't get last time. <laughs> And did you did you end up buying an incubator? Or did you make your own? Uh, no, I, I bought the hot box, uh, the twenty four inch hot box mm-hmm. from uh, Sea Serpents. You pretty happy with that? I love it. I mean, it looks cool. It runs great. It held temperatures really well. Because I've heard um, nothing but good things about them. Yeah, I, I mean, I've never had. 
I've only had one clutch, so I mean, one for one so far. But uh, yeah, I, I like it. It's I think it works really well. David, what were you using again? You using a wine cooler like I did? Yeah, yeah, I had a converted little wine fridge. I have mine in the garage right now. I'm looking at it, and I'm kind of like tempted to not use it again and just throw the dough at a at a sea serpent's one. But they're pretty really reasonably priced. Yeah, yeah, they're not yeah. bad. And me and Jake, did have you have to about... modify it at all? Uh, I didn't. No. Me and Jake have talked about going in on a bigger one together. I used to have the 48-inch tall one back in the day when uh, I was tinkering with the idea of breeding. I had a lot of stuff back then, so I figured I'd get a big one, but ended up never using it, selling it. But uh, the 24-inch works great. I mean, I'm not a big-time breeder, so I'm not in need of a lot of space, but what it is i think it worked out really great so uh when you uh hatched the the clutch uh what did you go through to get your your babies to eat um some of them were really easy and the others just really sucked yeah uh, yeah the two or three of them took over a month to even just get a strike out of them a couple yep. of runners i had a couple that were like striking and then nothing else they were just like dry punching i guess you'd call it yeah what yeah i had you? a similar experience with mine the, the exact same i had a few that were super aggressive great feeders right at the beginning and and then uh everywhere in between you know um, right. and uh i i think justin will test to it too that i i quickly got to the point where i'm like the tease feeding i just felt like i was really stressing them out too much mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I switched it up and started doing mouse tails. Um, and and I would dip the mouse tail in some rapashi meal replacement for, um, like Lucianus and and, uh, Crusties just to give it like a little extra nutrition. And then, uh, I would, I would just go ahead and and grab the baby, stick the mouse tail in and, you know, they would eat that in, you know, almost immediately without all the, the extra stress that you know, you put on them by beating the hell out of them for 15 minutes. And, um, so what I ended up doing was I would do that and then I'd wait, you know, four or five days and then I'd go after them again with a pinky and see if Mm -hmm. they would be interested. And and if they weren't, then I'd just get my mouse tail right away. And, uh, and I, I just did that until finally everybody switched over. And at the end, it was just a couple holdouts that required some, some down to, to really get them turned on. But then after that, it was smooth sailing. Right, right. Now, I remember you were saying the parakeet down. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Week long parakeet craze that David. Started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was Mark Heger's fault. So, right uh, you know, I I tried chick down with some of them early on. And I did not get the same response, and it could have been the timing or who knows what. But when mm-hmm. I tried the parakeet, it, it worked great, and uh, so I, I stuck with that. Um, but you know this this next round, I'm gonna try both and and see what they seem to prefer. I bet it doesn't really make much of a difference. Right, right. I never had any uh, success with scenting or adding any other scent to anything. Yep. So I I, I went the aggressive route with. <laughs> so I mean, some of them I have I was getting uh, defensive strikes, 
then once I got like a, a, descent, a defensive strike and somewhat of a wrap, I would continue to kind of just nudge them to the point where like they just want to kill this thing to leave them alone. <laughs> and then I noticed that they would take it down. The other ones, I, I was on pinky heads for, for months. It was mm, frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that... But they all came around. Every single one of them came around that, that made it. There's nothing like that feeling, though, isn't it? You know, when, awesome. once you finally get them turned on, <laughs> mm-hmm. they're like Such a completely a different animal. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. I went from hating them to loving them. <laughs> yep, yep. I used to curse them all as I left the room defeated. Exactly. <laughs> and then I'd go feed myself. <laughs> Just every time. I was like, man, fuck you guys. I'm... Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I don't care if you live or die now. Yep. <clears throat> well, they're so freaking small. I was afraid I was going to hurt them, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're just tiny. I was shocked. Then after a while, it's like, uh, you're going to eat. I don't care. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm sold on Chick Down now. Like, I'm not even going to hesitate scenting next time. Because uh-huh. the night, the difference was night and day with mine. Like that Chick Down, it was like, like it clicked. And same with those alternative babies, David, like you saw the other night. Yeah, you know, before there was no interest whatsoever, but I threw some some curly tail lizard scent, like scented them with a curly tail, and same thing. It was a completely different animal. They just they were all like you could tell they were so hungry. They just they snapped it up for some reason. I wonder. Um, I wonder how much the timing has to do with it too. Like if you were to do the exact same thing, but very early on, would you have gotten the same response? Right. Or do they finally get to the point where they're like they're really hungry and they know it? They just you know. They're gonna, they're gonna be more eager, I think, to go after stuff. I don't know. I, I I'd be curious to see this next go around if um, if you offer it right away, you get the same response. Well, we had tried just straight pinkies multiple times. With yeah. No luck. Like no Nothing. no interest whatsoever. Like yeah. You put it in the cage. If you put it in the tub and left it there, it would still be there the next morning. Like to them, it was just another part of the you know part of the setup. Right, but putting that that curly tail scent on there, dude, it was just it drove them wild. And I got all f- I have four of them, and I got all four of them to eat again last night. And I offered them. Yeah, on you sc- can see it in the video. Yeah. As soon as they smelled it, you knew that they were on it. You know, because I offered unscented last night, and I got one to take. But as soon as the other three that didn't, I I put that curly tail on there, man, and they just it, they downed it. Yep. It's just the difference is just insane, and that's it's so bizarre to me that. Like, that's what it takes with some of them. But mm. I thought the Contra that's babies were tough, but, man, these alternatives, they take the cake. They're on another <laughs> level. <laughs> How much would you say they weigh, Justin, when they're born compared to Chondros? Oh, man. Uh, if I had to guess, probably less than 10 grams easily, but yeah, probably more than 5, but less than 10 yeah. Which the smallest chondro out of my group was, I think, four, and that was the runt. And that's the one that's yeah. still kicking. And I was sure. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this thing's so tiny. Like, I don't, I, there's nothing I can freaking feed it that's going to be small enough. Right. But that little sucker, he just shed today, and he's looking good, man. He's doing great. Because <clears throat> all the other ones came out at, I think, anywhere between seven and six and nine, maybe. And this guy came out at like four. I mean, it was like Anteresia small, like just a, a worm. And that was also the first one out of the like the first one to pip, which is also strange because he's the smallest one, but first one out. 
That's interesting. So he was a holdback, and then I have the other one, which was like the darkest of the clutch, and that was the one that prolapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the two that I, I'm, I'm keeping are like the two misfits of the group that probably shouldn't go to anybody else anyways. Right. And then I have the one for miss, sale. So. Do you miss your babies every day? Me? Yeah. No, just when they're going to a shed cycle. We don't really have uh, humidity issues here in South Carolina. That's true. Ever. <clears throat> Super dry up here. Yeah, and I mean, I really haven't had any issues doing that either. I think frequent it's... water changes also help, and I use I use big water bowls in proportion okay. to the, the setup size too. Gotcha. So I think guys like uh, Bill Stegall, they'll, they'll just put <clears throat> just water for the substrate. Yeah, I mean, when they first came out and I first set them up in tubs, I kept them pretty humid for the first few days. Like, I kept that, that paper towel pretty wet. Gotcha. Um, but after that first shed, you know, I just I keep them dry, frequent water changes, and big water bowls, and I think that, that helps. Right. <clears throat> and like I was telling David and Luke, uh, if you've ever been to P and Cody's place, a lot of their setups they have, at least for the ones that aren't in vivariums, mm-hmm. uh, they have uh, pothos growing in the water bowls. Oh, okay. And so um, I just made some cuttings today. I'm going to start doing that, I think, with at least my boiga. And I don't know if I'll do it with the with the small green trees. I'll do it with, like, the sub-adults and the adults. Like, I don't know. I, I asked Pia the other day if, if they did it with their neonates, and I don't remember what she told me. I need to go back and look. But <clears throat> I think they look good, and I do think they help kind of with the humidity and right, right. maybe oh. air purification, I guess, if you want to take it that far. But you just right. – you have the pothos grow in the water bowl and you just do your regular water changes like you would any other you know any other time and it doesn't seem to affect mm-hmm. them and they look good yeah. and people people can't complain about you not doing natural setups you mentioned boiga what 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 uh what kind of boiga are you keeping i just have a pair of cyania oh nice <clears throat> i'm on the hunt for some divergence oh man those are slick. Yeah, they are. Those are out of my tax bracket. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> that, that's a group I really want to get into more eventually. I don't know when I will, but I really want to get my hands on some mangroves, some melanota or something. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I really like the cyania, so if I ever came across more of those, I might. But uh, right, when right. those when those get big, man, when they hit adult sizes, I don't think there's a small species of, of boiga out there. Mm. At least that's in the hobby. <clears throat> I don't think it exists, but they're interesting. I just got, I got uh, I just upgraded my mail to one of the Python portal setups from David, and it has one of the mounted hides, and he loves the hell out of that thing. And he's got one of the perches in there, and he's uh, he's got the setup, and he seems to be liking it. But I did belly heat with him instead of a heat panel. Right, right. And it seems to be working fine. It's, like I said, those things hold heat so well, just like the PVC cages. Those things, you know, keeping heat in those suckers is not a problem. Right, uh. <clears throat> and my female's going to need an upgrade soon, too. I just bumped her up, and she's going to outgrow this, this tub she's in now in no time. They grow so freakishly fast, it's unreal. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, it's it's unbelievable. I don't think I've ever kept a snake that that grows as fast as these things do. It's it's ridiculous. They're pretty easy to feed, Justin. They're good good eaters. Um, 
My female, yes, because I could pretty much just I'll throw a frozen thought in the hide and she'll take it. Uh, the male, he's been kind of difficult every now and then. Like I'll leave, mm-hmm. I'll do the same thing. I'll leave a frozen thought in there, and either he'll eat it or he'll ignore it. Um, but if I throw in like four life fuzzies, he'll he'll down them all. Uh, um, last night I did that. I I thought out an adult mouse and left it in that mounted hide where he's been hanging out a lot. And I mm-hmm. checked this morning, and it was gone. So it's kind of hit and miss. Uh, sometimes they'll they'll accept it, and sometimes they won't. That was the the original pair that I had. I have the female; she's the one that's still alive. The male I lost kind of early, uh, but I was force feeding them tails until they started taking off on their own as well. And that was just a matter of, like I said, just assist feeding tails and then leaving a pinky in. And you know, they're they're scavengers kind of in a way. They're weird, like they're they're nest raiders. So if you just sort of leave one hanging out, they kind of find it and and do their their thing. Right now, but they're uh, they're interesting snakes. I don't really play with mine a whole lot. They're they're very nervous. I don't like to stress them out a whole lot. Yeah, but they're very bizarre. I mean, they're very thin, but their heads are huge. Very visual. Yeah, I love the look of Yeah. They're they're cool snakes. I definitely you know even with the ones that I have like none of them neither of them are very big but I don't want to get bit by either of them. <clears throat> I think I think a lot of the boyga get downplayed as far as bites go, especially like an adult. If you ever see an adult melanota or an adult cyania, dude, that's a big that's a decent sized colubrid. Yeah, you let that thing get a hold of you, you're gonna feel it like. I'd probably be going to the hospital for something. <clears throat> Antibiotics or whatever it is they'd put you on. But uh, we are approaching an hour and a half. Uh, Ready? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and close her out. Uh, Michael, where can people follow you? If they want to see Stevie, um, the eyeless wonder. Yep, yep. Instagram's really where I do most of my posting and whatnot. Um, that's Hollywood Conros, Hollywood underscore Conros. And then uh, on Facebook, I like to float around and just get into some conversations with people. But I'm, I have a page on in, uh, Facebook as well, Hollywood Conros. Cool. David? Uh, yeah, uh, Facebook's probably the easiest place to get a hold of me. So I've got, um, specialty enclosure designs on there, or you can just look me up by my name. Cool. Anxious to see what, what both y'all are going to be producing soon, man. Hopefully the, uh, David, I hope that that pairing takes off for you. And I know Luke also has some really cool stuff in the works. So if you're not following Luke, follow him at, uh, at Luke snake Walker on Instagram. Um, he's got some John Irby stuff that he's pairing up and, some other really cool things in the works, uh, Michael. You as well, man. I don't know. You you have anything available right now? Uh, not right now. Um, I'm hoping this uh, popcorn Melly yellow chick uh, took with the Nibiri male. That would be really fun. Uh, yeah. She she was a red. He was a blue. Or excuse me, he was a yellow. Um, he has some really nice blue dorsal patterns, and uh, she's got like a really nice blue wash to her. So I'm really hoping some more blues come out of that. Not a blue line by any means, but just a fun pairing. Yeah, that's what it's all about. People, I, I've had people ask me like, "What you know? What makes me decide what I want to pair?" And I'm like, "If it's 
two snakes that I think will produce something interesting. Like that's what I'm gonna do. You know? That's right. Yeah, I'm not really going for anything in particular with this ranch. Yeah. But, well, awesome, um, man. Yep, yep. We uh, appreciate you coming on, David. As always, appreciate your your input as well. Um, Thanks, yeah. guys. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. We'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Sounds good to me. David, take it easy. Yeah, see you guys. Have a great night, guys. Later. Later. All right, y'all. Episode 19 in the books. Uh, appreciate you listening. I know it's been a minute. Um, had a lot going on. Bought a house. Uh, so I've been busy with that. Uh, busy with THP. Busy with Herpeticulture Magazine. Something me and my, uh, myself and Billy Hunt have been working on. Um, next episode is going to be a pretty big deal. Uh, hopefully, if all goes according to plan, uh, Daniel Ntouche will be coming on to talk about his recent paper with uh, recognizing the new subspecies and the work that he and the other people he's been working with have been doing on uh, the taxonomic review of green trees. So, I'm really excited about that. Um, be on the lookout, like I said. Hopefully, that'll happen if everything goes according to plan. In the meantime, follow me at Palmetto Coast Exotics. Follow the show, which is the Chondrocast, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, follow David at Specialty Enclosure Designs since he's the one who sponsors the show. His products are awesome. There's no need to go anywhere else. His stuff's great. His prices are great. Check him out. Uh, be sure to subscribe. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. I will see you later. Later.